Good afternoon, uh, and uh, welcome to Bible Quest, the Wednesday edition. I am Joe Works, currently in Fairlawn, New Jersey, um, in the process of moving to Elmira, New York. And so, uh, uh, just mention that anybody who's wanting to visit in that area would love to have you come and worship with us uh, in uh, Elmira, just west of Binghamton. Joining me this afternoon is Jeff Smelser. Hi. Hey, Jeff. I mean, hey, Joe. <laughs> Jeff's mind is not completely with us this afternoon. He's been busy with a lot of activities. Yeah. I don't think I needed to say that at this point. But Chase Byers is also with us. And Chase, my name is Joe. Oh, hi, Chase. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, maybe it'd be good to give folks a little bit clearer idea of where Elmira is. People are familiar with the Finger Lakes region of New York State. Elmira is just below the Finger Lakes, uh, up to up to uh, the southern tip of one of the nearest Finger Lakes. What is that, about 30, 40 minutes, Joe? Uh, That's probably about right. I am still getting acclimated to the geography and uh, uh, the cities and region around there. So um, uh, it is, uh, Elmira is on the, the southern tier is what it's known as uh, of New York, uh, pretty close to the New York, Pennsylvania border. Yeah, so if you were coming across Pennsylvania, east to west, you get about halfway across the state, right in the middle, and then go straight north, and you hit the state line where Pennsylvania borders New York, and Elmira is just above that. Exactly. Very good. Um, uh, And so looking forward to working with the the brethren uh, there um, uh, as we have begun doing that uh, this month. Um, and Jeff, you're in Exton. Chase, uh, you're in uh, Harrisburg, PA. Yeah, that's correct. And so if anybody is traveling through or would like uh, any information to uh, worship with any of us, please feel free to get hold of us uh, if you'd like. So this afternoon, we are going to discuss a topic that um, is perhaps different uh Sounds maybe a little bit different for three guys to be talking about. So we would really like to have a lot of uh, uh, help, uh, comments from those of you that are listening, talking about looking for a worthy or a virtuous husband. None of us are in the market, uh, but it is a topic that very much ought to be discussed with uh, single ladies. And uh, so we thought that Coming from a biblical vantage point, we would want to uh, try to help people see maybe some passages that they hadn't considered before. Sounds good, Joe. Well, where are we going to start? So how about if we begin in the book of Ruth? Um, we talked a couple of weeks ago, I guess maybe three weeks ago or so, uh, about looking for a virtuous wife, a worthy wife, and we considered Proverbs 31, and I think we noted in that study that in the Hebrew Bible, at least in some Hebrew Bibles, the book of Ruth, uh, the book of Proverbs is immediately followed by the book of Ruth. And so you have Proverbs 31, and then you turn the page, and there is a story of a virtuous woman. Uh, So Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, talks about this virtuous woman, and Ruth is identified as a virtuous woman, Ruth 3, and in verse 2, Boaz calls her that. Uh, he uses the exact same word that's used over there in Proverbs 31. 
Um, and so it, it's really handy because sometimes people think when they study Proverbs uh, 31, and unfortunately some women, I think, have the idea that, well, there's no such woman as, as this. Uh, there's nobody who's going to be this virtuous. When in fact Proverbs 31 makes the statement in Proverbs 31 and verse 29, many daughters have done virtuously. Now, the New King James says well there, but it's the same word as virtuous uh, that's used uh, back in verse 10. Uh, and so the idea is many daughters are virtuous, but some even excel beyond that. Uh, they would be extremely virtuous. Uh, they would be the, the far above rubies uh, kind of, of ladies uh, that young single men or, or uh, single men ought to be looking for. And in the same way, there are virtuous men. Um, and so the book of Ruth really captures uh, this, this picture of a virtuous woman who can find her. Well, the answer is a Boaz can find her. Um, and so it's only going to be a virtuous man that is, as far as the rule is concerned, there may be some exceptions out there, uh, but it's going to be the virtuous man who finds uh, the virtuous woman. And the reason why I would use the book of Ruth to talk about that is in Ruth, the second chapter, and in verse 2, uh, or, uh, verse 1, Ruth 2 and verse 1, it says, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Uh, Chase and Jeff, y'all may have different translations in the New King James. Does yours use the word great wealth there? It yeah, does. sure does. A man of great wealth. I've got a footnote, uh, and it says, uh, or a uh, mighty, valiant man. Uh, right. But the text has man of great wealth. And so the idea of valiant might be helpful there because that is also, unless I have just completely missed it, that's the same Hebrew word for virtuous um, as Proverbs 31 or as Ruth 3. And so... It certainly appears like Boaz does have a lot of money, but I don't think that that's the point of the text. Uh, maybe it has a double meaning there for us, but I don't think that it should escape our minds as it does in English, unfortunately. Um, uh, but the word wealth there is the same word as virtuous over in uh, Ruth 3 and verse 11. Um, uh, and so Ruth... Uh, Boaz, a virtuous man, a valiant man, a spiritually minded man, is going to be attracted to and be attractive uh, to a virtuous woman like Ruth. Um, in fact, in the following text in Ruth 2, here's just a couple of things that stand out to me. Let's go ahead and read a few of the verses here where we find this description of Boaz um, uh, beginning down in verse 4. Now, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Now, just from that verse right there, do, does anything strike you two or maybe some of those that are listening to us this afternoon as, as, a, as uh, manifestations of his virtue? He's a spiritual man. He's a man who... Uh, regards God as in control, and uh, God's blessing is what's important. Yeah, and, and not to back up too much, I got curious. The NIV actually in verse 1 says he's a man of standing. 
Uh, and I think you see that in the statement he makes here. Uh, it's not about him, but it's about him saying, the Lord be with you and then the Lord bless you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that, just in the context, that really helps us to see that, that that, at least to me, seems to be the emphasis of Boaz is not how much money he has, but what a virtuous man he is, a man of standing, particularly uprightness, uh, a just man in the, in the sight of God, one who cares about the Lord. Um, uh, in fact, uh, even his name hints at that, um, and it is strength. And so Boaz, the, the name carries forth the idea of strength, but I would emphasize the spiritual strength that he's displaying. So not only does he see this idea as blessings being from God, but he wishes those blessings on his workers. Uh, you know, he cares about his servants. He cares about those that are working out in, in his field. He's not a, uh, a rich man who's only caring about the bottom dollar. He doesn't walk out there and say, why aren't you all working harder? He walks out and immediately gives them a blessing. Um, uh, I just think that that's the kind of person, if, if there are any single ladies that are looking for a, a husband, these are the kinds of men that you should be thinking about. Um, I know it is very tempting for uh, both sexes to be attracted to the external, to their looks, to their height, to their weight, to you know whatever their face or whatever it is. But the way that a man speaks says a lot about what's in his heart. And so here you have somebody who is seeking blessings upon others and the workers respond in kind to him, the Lord bless you. So he's obviously treated them in such a way that, that, that they care for him. It, again, shows his character, I think. It's so, interesting. <clears throat> I'm sorry, go ahead. Were you going to say something? No, I just thought, if you had any thoughts about it. Just coming down in the next few verses, I, I'm sure you were probably going to head into these next few verses. It's interesting. Uh, here is Ruth, and she's, the kind of woman who would be particularly vulnerable. She uh, doesn't have a man to protect her. She is a foreigner. She's in a, in a foreign land, and uh, she is coming and um, basically uh, picking up the scraps, you know, gleaning. She's picking up the things left over in the harvest. So that's the kind of person you can imagine men who want to take advantage of a woman could feel free to take advantage of such a woman because she really – is, has no one to stand up for her. She is totally dependent upon the kindnesses of others. And Boaz recognizes that and tells, tells her, you stay right here. You work in this yield. I've told my servants not to touch you. It's in verse um, nine, where he says, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. Uh, so you're safe here. And then she replies in verse 10, why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? And so she is aware of kind of the remarkable character of Boaz here, at least from her perspective. This is, this is unusual that he would look out for her this way. Yes, it is. It, it, from, from both vantage points, one that he cares about protecting somebody who at this point he has no personal interest in. I mean, uh, he's not invested in her this is sacrificing on his part uh, to, to care for somebody who's vulnerable um, and then also not to look down upon her. Uh, you know, it might be tempting for some men to see her as, as not even worth their time to ignore her. She's just a foreigner. She's just 
somebody out working in the field. She, she doesn't have uh, anything to, to offer, some men might think. Um, and, and yet th- those things don't matter to him. Uh, he's not looking for somebody who is dressed really fine and that sort of thing. He just wants to take care of people, uh, very unselfish in, in every way. Other thoughts there? Nope, not right now. Where are we going? We're going to go on down in this text, or what do you want to do yeah. with it? So, so then we see that he goes on and he makes sure that she's provided for, um, uh, that she has plenty to, to be given. Uh, not only does it make sure that nobody is going to, uh, to touch her uh, in verse 9, as you pointed out, you know, uh, I've commanded the young men not to touch you. You know, they're, they're supposed to leave you alone. Um, and then as he goes on, he makes sure in verse 16, let some of the grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it there, uh, leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So here you've got a, a fellow who's, you know, it's his field. He's invested in this. It's his money. And he's saying, go ahead and spill some and let her collect that and, and don't say anything about it. Um, again, just helping her out all along the way, um, uh, just not thinking of his own needs. There's another little detail to notice here in verse 11. Um, Boaz commends her. He has heard about her story, and he remarks upon what she has done for her mother-in-law after the death of her husband. And what I want to notice more particularly is Boaz says, and how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to people that you did not previously know. So what what jumps out at me here is this. He recognizes in Ruth some strength of character. Uh, she has strong enough character that she was able to say, I'm going to leave what I've known living in the land of Moab. I'm going to leave uh, what is familiar to me. And I'm going to, I'm going to go out here to a, a new place, a foreign place um, at whatever cost in terms of family ties that is. And, and the point that I want to make is, is we're talking about finding a, a worthy husband. A worthy husband is going to be somebody who, recognizes and values character in in his prospective wife. Very good. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, he, he's a man who walks with his eyes open to, to see the things that are around him, and, and that's not going to escape his notice. And I guess I should say value, recognizes and values strength of character. Um We'll talk, I'm sure, as we go through the webcast this afternoon, a little bit about the, the the respective roles of the husband and wife and how the husband is to have that role of leadership. Uh, but a husband uh, who is a leader is not going to be a, an effective, not a very value, not a very good leader if he does not recognize the strength of character in in the woman whom he is leading. That's exactly right. Uh, very good, Chase. Do you have a thought there? No, no, you guys keep going. Okay. Uh, so uh, just recognizing the kind of man that Boaz is, and, and I would just recommend that ladies read the book of Ruth, not as some sort of romance uh, novel, um, but as the, the, the kind of uh, book that, you, that, as we spoke three weeks ago, young men ought to be reading Proverbs 31 and saying, this is the kind of woman I want to find. You should be looking for this kind of a man, one who is not afraid of work, who is unselfish, 
who uh, seeks to take care of his responsibilities, who uh, uh, provides for others, benevolent, um, who recognizes the value in others and recognizes the, the work in others. Um, I think that's one of the things that may be a fair warning to young ladies. Um, for any Boaz that I'm talking to, I tell them, you need to be looking for a Ruth. And so you need to be a hardworking person as well. You need to not be afraid to get your hands dirty. You need to not be afraid to, to go out and work uh, hard for a day, uh, especially even to provide for somebody else, like the mother-in-law scenario that you find here. Boaz is note those kinds of things. Boaz is see those. And so if you're looking for a Boaz, then you need to be a Ruth. Um, another thing is skipping over to chapter four. And if you guys want to, we can uh, touch on other points as well. Uh, yeah. Joe, if I can for just a second, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about all these different wonderful qualities that Boaz has. And I think one of the difficult things for any young Christian lady who's, who's dating is maybe finding a guy who in the short term and upon appearance does some of these things. Um, and they might be asking, well, how do I know that that's really how he is? Um, but when you look at all of Boaz's qualities as a whole, that is not something that someone can just put a face on uh, for a short time. This is somebody who legitimately lives this life, who's able to balance having all of those qualities. And so uh, I think you see that throughout his, his entire story here. Um, it's not just here and there. And so uh, I, th- I think that's just something to think about. Um, if you see a guy who's maybe doing good here, but not over here, uh, that should be a red flag. Uh, maybe that's not making any sense, but. No, no, I think the consistency, I think, is very important in, in seeing that in a man. So in chapter four, Boaz seeks to um, make better arrangements for Ruth uh, to, uh, uh, to be her redeemer, uh, to marry her, but it doesn't start there. Uh, back in chapter three and uh, in verse seven, uh, Naomi has sent Ruth to go back to the threshing floor where Boaz is, and uh, Boaz has eaten, he's drunk, and not, he isn't drunk, but he's eaten and drunk, and uh, he, he's laying down at night. Again, that's kind of interesting. He's laying amongst the workers. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's not going back to his palace, uh, whatever, comfortable zone. Uh, but it's about midnight in verse 8, and just imagine this scene uh, in, in many men's lives. It's at midnight, and he's startled. He wakes up, and there is a woman lying at his feet. And he says, who are you? <laughs> and uh, she says, I'm Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a near kinsman. And so she's asking him if he'd be willing to fulfill the law uh, according to uh, the, uh, the Levitical law, um, uh, to for the near kinsman to, to marry the, the widow. Um, and in verse 10, his response is not, why don't you come up here and lay closer beside me? I find that really helpful, and I'm not going to go into any more detail. I don't think I need to than, than what I just said. The kind of scenario in which many men would find an opportunity to, to take advantage of a young, vulnerable woman. She's asking for uh, redemption, for, you know, for, for him to take care of her, and so forth. And his response is, 
Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. Again, he's thinking about God in this uh, in this situation. And, and not only thinking about God, he, he's this conversation is about marriage. It's not about some kind of one night stand. It's not about some kind of uh, temporary carnal pleasure. Um, but in verse nine, he said, "Who are you?" And she answered, "I am Ruth, your maid." So spread your covering over your maid. And I'm sure somebody could take that in an illicit sense. However, this expression about spreading your covering or spreading your skirt, seen in a couple of passages here and also in Ezekiel 16, where the nation of Israel is pictured as a uh, young woman whom God takes to be his wife. And it's in verse 8 of Ezekiel 16. I passed by you and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore to you and entered into a covenant with you so that you became mine, declares the Lord. You put those two passages together, and it seems as if this idea of spreading your covering over a man, spreading his covering over a woman, he takes her into his house as his wife. They become one in marriage. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I'm just imagining this scenario Many young ladies looking to get married, they, they find a man that they care about, and so they, they show some interest in that man, and that man then takes sexual advantage of that situation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're right, this is supposed to all be about marriage, and that's where a relationship ought to be heading, uh, you know, if, uh, if somebody's interested um, and, and don't let it be the one night stand or the two night stand or, or whatever. Um, it, it, it needs to be honorable. If a woman is, has somehow shown some interest, the man knows that. Um, and if his reaction is not along the lines of blessed are you of the Lord, if he doesn't recognize the spiritual aspect of the relationship, then run away. <laughs> Um, you know, that's not the kind of guy, if, if he's interested in taking advantage of this in the middle of the night, that's the kind of guy you need to get away from, not stay with. So if you're looking for a Boaz, a Boaz is not going to take advantage at midnight. Um, uh, I just think it's really important to notice Boaz very much wants to do the right thing here. And so... After he says, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, you've shown more kindness at the end and the beginning. You did not go after young men, whether poor or rich, women, hint, hint. Uh, <laughs> standards that you go by. You, you're looking for a Boaz. You're not looking at a, a bank account or you're not looking at uh, necessarily an age. You know, it's not young or old, as he talks about. Uh, it's not rich or poor. And so, Boaz then is going to seek to provide, and that's exactly what he does. He notices, ladies, you have a reputation in your town, in your community, in your congregation, verse 11. All the people in my town know that you are a virtuous woman. That's, Boaz is attracted to that. Um, he's heard what people have said. It almost makes you wonder, has he gone around asking people or is it just so evident? And, and I don't know the answer to that just from the text, um, uh, but a virtuous woman is going to be noted for those things. Um, and so he says, stay put, I'll take care of you um, uh, in this matter. And sure enough, 
<laughs> it's, it's the next morning. And Boaz goes down to the gates. He assembles together some men, and uh, he sets forth the legal proceedings to secure safety and protection, uh, the nurturing and caring that a, a husband is going to, to have for his wife. Well, one of the things that strikes me in this relationship is um, you see you see uh, leadership on his part. He is um, he is one quick to tell her, "You stay in this field; you'll be safe here." Um, on the other hand, you see uh, her influence. Her character has been influential with him and um, moved him to think in terms of marriage. Uh, we don't get any hint, hint in the text that he was already eyeing her and thinking, hmm, I'd like to marry her. Um, but there is this statement that you already quoted where he says, my daughter, you've shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether rich, whether poor or rich. Uh, not that a young man can't be a leader, but she is looking to someone who is responsible. She is looking to Boaz as somebody who has demonstrated his ability to care for her, his willingness to care for her. His, he is a man who has accomplished something. Um, and, and maybe in a few minutes we could talk a little bit about the idea that in marriage, there, there are some aspects of the relationship between a man and a woman that are symmetrical. For example, uh, we can turn to the scriptures and see that both of them are to be selfless and looking to the other, and, and that's symmetrical. There are some aspects of the relationship that are asymmetrical. The husband is to be the leader, even though the wife can influence him. Uh, the husband is to be the leader. And when you, when you start thinking about a young woman looking for a husband whom she might want to marry, she needs to look for the kind of man who is willing to lead and whom she will be willing to follow because he demonstrates that he has an agenda and a kind of agenda that a godly man would have. Good. Good. Yeah, Chase? Yeah, one of the things, too, I, I think Boaz has his priorities straight about looking for a godly woman, but not just for himself, but because he understands that that marriage has the potential to glorify God if both parties are acting the way God wills them to. And so, yeah, I believe there are some selfish reasons to want to get married um, or things that God blesses us with that might be an, uh, an encouragement to be married. But ultimately, I don't think Boaz lost sight of his marriage to Ruth would give them the ability to glorify God together. Um, and I think he truly understood that. Good, good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so how about we jump over to another text and uh, – well, we've got about another 15, uh, 17 minutes or so, I guess. Uh, Job 31, uh, I think, is a, another passage that is helpful for uh, single women to, to be considering. Uh, what kind of a man would you be interested in? Um, you should be interested in a Job. You should be looking for somebody who has the character of Job. Job was not a perfect man, but... You know, God's own words concerning him, uh, blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. That's the kind of fellow you should be looking for. That's in Job 1 and in verse 1. But Job describes himself in Job 31, um, and uh, I think it's important to note that 
even his friends can't contradict these things that Eliphaz has built in and so far uh, can't point to anything and say, well, no, this doesn't apply to you. This is kind of man that Job was. And it may be difficult to see all of these things in every way in a single man. But I think there's some qualities that are brought out here um, uh, that ought to be considered. Uh, first off, in Job 31, it's helpful. Many people have pointed this out before. Uh, Proverbs 31 is the virtuous woman. Job 31 is the virtuous man. I don't think that, that word virtue is used there. At least I don't remember it being used. But it certainly is the uh, the content of the chapter. It's talking about a man of, of virtue. So the first thing he talks about in Job 31 is that he's made a covenant with his eyes not to look upon a woman. Uh, now, Job is married at this point, but the same thing would be true for a single man. Uh, ladies, if you're interested in finding a husband, don't look for somebody who is uh, just constantly looking at women, um, uh, looking at the way that they're dressed or not dressed or partially dressed or whatever. You know, if, if, a, if a man is struggling with his, uh, with his eyes during dating, He's going to struggle with his eyes during marriage if he doesn't change that. Marriage isn't going to change that, by the way. Um, uh, and so there's a great contrast. Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Second Peter 2 and verse 14, I think it is, talks about the wicked men of Peter's day as having eyes full of adultery. Um, what a stark contrast. And really, that is kind of the two choices. Uh, there's not just a little bit of adultery, uh, that sort of thing. Um, men are either seeking to have pure eyes or, or not. Uh, and so you want somebody who is, who cares about controlling their eyes. Um, in situations, when you see a man who, you know, you're watching television together, you're watching a movie together or whatever, and something comes on, a commercial comes on and usually commercials have scantily clad women and you, you notice out of the corner of your eye that the, that the young man quickly just turns his head to, to look over so that he's avoiding that, or he changes the channel. You know, that's the kind of person that you, that, that's what you're hoping for in somebody who's going to, uh, Simon Harris talks about, he's, he's going to do the eye bounce uh, yeah. when he's walking down the street. Go ahead, Chase. No, I was just going to say, and, and I'm not a young lady, but I know young ladies, and that's not an easy thing to condition yourself to, to look out for and to observe is, oh, because to a young lady, that thing on television might not bother her. And so I think your encouragement is exactly right. And if there are any young women listening, seriously, keep your eyes peeled. Look for those things. Uh, it says a lot about the guy. One of the things that I try to encourage both young men and young ladies to do is to, to be inspectors, be fruit inspectors, if you will not for the purpose of judging the potential husband or wife, but to be discerning, to, to know, is this person, do they care about what's going through their eyeballs? Do, do they care about what's going through their ears? Um, you know, are they paying attention to the things that, that they are taking into their hearts? Um, that, that's an important, those are important factors, I believe. Another thing that he mentions in Job 31 and in verse 5, and you guys just jump in wherever you want on any of these passages. We'll probably run out of time here, but that's okay. Um, Job talks about not walking in falsehood or deceit. Um, he's an honest man. Uh, so when you uh, are 
at a restaurant and the waiter, um, uh, you know, gives the wrong bill. And, uh, you know, does the, does the guy say, hey, we got off cheap tonight? Or does he own up to that and say, hang on a second, I think I owe you more than that because he's an honest person. Um, uh, you know, uh, those may seemingly to be small things, but if he's willing to cheat a stranger, how do you know he's not willing to cheat you or, or other people as well? Um, he just needs to be an honest man in, in every way, in all of his dealings. Um, you know, he doesn't cheat on his taxes as he's preparing them um, or, or anything else like that. Um, he's going to be doing what yeah. is, is just the right thing each time. He's on time. He's a, he's a well-prepared man. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Good point. Um, <laughs> so uh, notice also over in uh, verse 13. He said, if I've despised the cause of my manservant or maidservant when they complained against me. You know, that's kind of a key thing. Now, especially if, they're, if you're in a dating scene, they may not have manservants and maidservants. They may not have employees. But just think about, again, go back to that waiter. Yeah. How do they treat the waiter? Do they treat them like just a servant? You know, I can't believe how slow he is. I can't, oh, he's just, and, you know, just being very rude to them and condescending or is he being kind and gentle in that situation? Yeah. Or when something else comes up and somebody offers a complaint, how does he respond? I think this is something that, uh, boy, I've really had to work on when somebody issues a complaint against me, how will I respond to that? How does the man respond in that situation? Does he immediately get defensive or does he say, you know, Maybe there's something in this that I can learn. Even if I don't agree with it completely, maybe there's an aspect of this that I can benefit, that I can grow by. Is he showing humility when a complaint is leveled against him? Verse 13. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right. If, if you want to know what kind of guy he is, like you said, look at the way he receives instruction. If he gets all defensive, run away get away. It is interesting that sometimes uh, we're on our best behavior in public. We're on our best behavior with uh, people we work with, but in our most intimate relationships, in our family relationships, we tend to, to, to take people for granted. And so whereas I might take criticism or instruction from my boss at work or even my coworker, um, then at home, maybe I get a little incensed, and, and that's not a good thing. Well, the, 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 clue, the clue here to observe is if he, ta- if he gets defensive in his relationship with people in public, then how is he going to be with the people he ta- he's going to tend to take for granted? And it's just natural. We do, I'm not saying it's right or good, but we do tend to take people for granted when we're with them all the time. And uh, we forget the common courtesies that we – that we are sure to observe for those in the community or in the workplace or in the store or at school. Uh, we forget those common courtesies in our families sometimes. And then the idea of being defensive can fall right into that same pattern where we get defensive with those we're close to. So look for that. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think you make an obs- uh, excellent observation there. Maybe a couple of applications to that. 
you're in the home of this young man that you're interested in spending time with them in your home, which is something I really encourage. Um, and, you know, mom or dad says something corrective to them. Hey, you, uh, you didn't clean up after yourself there in the bathroom. Could you go take care of that? And if he jumps up from the couch in a huff, oh, okay, well, how's he going to, how's he going to treat you? Uh, how's, he, how's he going to, uh, to behave in your home as husband as well? Or if he's contrite in that, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have done that. Thanks for pointing that out. And he runs off to do that. You know, um, again, I think just, just being observant to the way that he treats any and everybody else, the way he treats his siblings, um, particularly younger siblings. <laughs> uh, those, are, those can sometimes be good, uh, good tests, good measurements. Verse 16, he talks about how he treats the poor. You know, uh, is he stingy? Is he selfish? Does he feel like, well, listen, I've worked for this money. This is mine. Or is he looking for opportunities to help people? Maybe not necessarily with money, but with his time or with his energy, um, uh, with his efforts. Uh, How is he being, uh, uh, you know, uh, pure religion? Uh, James 1.27 uh, the widows and the orphans. Is he thinking about the widows of the congregation, what their needs might be? Uh, you know, those kinds of peop- things. Verse 16, uh, if I've kept the poor from their desire or caused the eyes of the widow to fail, um, if, uh, or eaten my morsel by myself so that the fatherless may not eat of it. So you've got a guy who, uh, you know, he's not thinking I should share what I've been blessed with. Uh, with those who are less fortunate. So look carefully at the way that he's spending his money. Is it, you know, is it just on you and him or is it on people who are less fortunate uh, than yourselves? Verse 24. What's, what's his goal? Uh, What's he thinking about? Um, If I've made gold, my hope, my hope, or said to find gold, you are my confidence. Go ahead, Chase. No, I was just going to say the New American Standard says, if I have put my confidence in gold. Yeah. Yeah. And so there you've got somebody who, you know, all of their plans are revolved around how they're going to get rich. How going, you know, all of their, their discussions are about the car that they want, the, you know, and how they're going to get it. Or, you know, whatever it is, dealing with riches, uh, that you're going to be marrying a rich fool if you do that. Yeah, when, when I get to this or when I get that, and then just that mindset of always getting more, when I get more, when I get more, if all the conversations are based around that, uh, what makes you think you're going to be good enough for him um, and if he doesn't think he's done with you after a while? Right. Verse 29 also. I rejoice at the destruction of him who hated me. Let's just, I'll be very... Um, personal here or, or very, uh, um, what the right, right word is, but I'm, I'm going to try to make this so that you can make a very personal application likely. If they are a Republican, how do they feel about Democrats? If they are a Democrat, how do they feel about Republicans? If they're neither, how do they feel about everybody else? Um, you know, boy, there is just a lot of rejoicing that goes on at the fall of politicians. We've seen it all over the place. Um, You know, there was just a lot of glee 
when Bill Clinton got caught with Monica Lewinsky. And when tapes came out about the horrible things that Trump said, there were a lot of Democrats that just rejoiced in that. That's not the attitude. Uh, uh, you know, love does not rejoice in iniquity. Um, uh, and even in our enemies, we should not find it pleasurable that they have fallen or that, that they have gotten caught up in some sin. Um, and, and that's just one place. But I hear a lot of young men speak very foolishly when it comes to politics and politicians that they are opposed to. They make very personal attacks uh, when, when that's just not the way that, that a child of God ought to be behaving. We could back up just a little bit. This, this text caught my eye when you were talking about avarice or putting my confidence in gold. Um, and then it says in verse 26 and 27, if I have looked at the sun when it's shown or the moon going in splendor, and my heart became secretly enticed, and my hand threw a kiss from my mouth. That, too, would have been an iniquity calling for judgment. I think probably, and I, I just was checking it to see if I was on the right track here, it's probably an allusion to idolatrous worship of the heavenly bodies, heavenly, uh, the sun, the moon. And it's interesting that it, it falls right after the remarks about materialistic goals, about uh, being caught up with wealth and aspirations of wealth. Um, so here is something to think about as you, as a young woman thinks about a young man, is he just wanting to get rich? Is he materialistic? But then go a step further and ask, is he spiritually dedicated to the true God? Um, or is he going to be drawn after this? You know, there are, there are various ideas, fads that come along, People who do not love the truth can get caught up in this doctrinal fad or that doctrinal fad. Look for a man who truly loves the Lord. Absolutely. Great point. And I think you're exactly on target. Here you have this fellow who he's trusting in gold. Well, now the, the, the next step or the, the next picture is somebody who's trusting in the stars, you know, astrology and that sort of thing. And the end of verse 28 is, for I would have denied God who is, above. Uh, you know, you so you've got the stars, somebody who's looking to the stars, or maybe start off with somebody who's shooting for the stars, looking all, to the stars, or to somebody who's created the stars. And all of that comes together in somebody who's trusting in his lucky stars, and he's just hoping to hit the big one playing the lottery. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, there would be the, that guy's not a guy you want to hit your wagon to. Not at all. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, it's a where get quick, get, get rich quick schemes. You know, same thing. Yeah. The guy who's always, he's always got some idea. I'm going to, I'll do this and I'll get rich. And he flits from one idea to another because none of them get him rich quick enough. And right. so he never really accomplishes anything. Yeah. So we go back to that guy like Boaz, who was just a hard worker. God had blessed him, but, but not everybody becomes an, an owner of lands. Um, but if he's a hard worker who's blessing uh, others and being a blessing to others, that's the kind of fellow that you're going to be interested in, ladies. Yeah, and I'm, you were talking about just, just practically applying some of these things. Wanting a Boaz who loves the Lord, when, when he took you out for lunch or for dinner on a date, did he say a prayer? Did he lead the two of you in prayer uh, before the food came? I think that could be a good indicator on what kind of man he is, um, especially – 
if he is a Christian. Um, right. Yeah. Good. Good point. Um, uh, certainly, a, a young man. Um, one of the things I try to emphasize is that that dating the the purpose of dating is to uh, is preparation for marriage is to find out if if this person is compatible is, is good to be married to. Um, any other reason I think falls far short of, uh, of, of, of godliness. Um, uh, and so the idea of, of, of dating, you be looking, is he showing spirituality? Um, uh, you know, when you, when Beth and I dated, you know, uh, maybe this was because I was frugal. Um, uh, but you know, most of our dates were going to gospel meetings. We're going to Bible study, <laughs> uh, that sort of thing. Um, you know, look for a guy who's doing that. Uh, look for a guy who's putting God first. Not, there's nothing wrong with going to a movie occasionally, but if all he's interested in is fun with you. That's fantasy land. Uh, that's not what marriage is going to be like. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, when you think, think about Boaz and Boaz and his service, we think about the different things that young men should be doing today, opening the car door, uh, different things like that. And I know that sounds little, but it shows service. And that's the key. Find ways he's showing you service and showing service in general. And, 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 and look to catch him hopefully doing good in unexpected situations. You know, it starts raining and he has an umbrella. Does he jump out and help the lady going across the parking lot or whatever the situation might be? You know, are really good signs of somebody who is just thinking of others, the way that uh, the Lord would want us to, the way that a husband would be, somebody who's just looking to be in charge. Um, I guess we got, we're almost out of time here. Let me just mention one thing that I thought was really good I heard a while back. Uh, I think, I can't remember now who it was ultimately attributed to, um, uh, but the idea that a husband, uh, that the crown that the husband wears, um, you know, because the husband is the head of the house, and so he thinks of himself like the king, but his crown needs to be made of thorns, just like Christ is the head of the church. He needs to be a sacrificing person, and you're going to be able to see that when you're in the dating uh, courting uh, arrangement. Uh, is he somebody who is sacrificing for others? We're out of time now. Thank you, uh, Jeff and Chase, for your help in uh, this uh, discussion. And uh, others, if you have any comments or questions beyond uh, this, uh, as you're listening later on, please feel free to get in touch with us, uh, uh, any, any of us, uh, to talk about this more if we can. Chase, you Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you all. God bless. All right. Thanks, guys.